AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. Energy prices and availability of diesel this winter are clearly, clearly a concern for farmers. Let's get an update on current supplies and on the outlook for prices. And it's time for this week's Farmer Forum. We'll find out what Tim and Ken are learning from the 2022 harvest season. Live from the foothills of Hump Day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with an energetic conversation with Jordan Fife from BioUrgia. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Ken McCauley and Tim Recker. And right after the news, Margie Eckelkamp from The Scoop. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Laurie. You know, Davis, I'm looking forward to a time when I don't feel the uh-huh. urgency uh-huh. to uh, to talk about what is going on in the energy markets. But mm-hmm. with everything that is happening and all the developments, I, it's just... If I mean it's it's basically a weekly requirement now that we that that we are sure to cover uh, what is happening in the in the energy market. So glad that Jordan is around yeah. for our conversation today. No question about that. Welcome for sure. Welcome. Yeah. Yes. I'm Chip. That's Davis. This is. I was going to write. Okay, so live from yes. the foothills of Hump Day. That's that's the one I always say on Wednesday morning. I right. I did put. I you know originally I had written live from the uh, cusp of potentially great things just to be positive because there's so much uncertainty right now on so many levels politically energy globally just everything uncertainty but let's not forget uncertainty can mean we're about to fall into some horrible horrible dismal disaster Uncertainty also means we may be about to fall into some fantastic, unforeseen, bold new future, which is actually really, really great. Yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just platitudes. Take it for what you will, beloved listener. But hey, let's try to stay positive amid the uncertainty as best we can. Let's say, look, look at you with your glass half full this morning. I'm just saying, there's potential to go either way here. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's see if you feel the same after we get done with the news. (laughs) Well, uh, President Biden said it would be an incredibly serious mistake for Russia to use a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine. Meanwhile, progressive House Democrats retracted a letter urging Biden to seek a ceasefire in Ukraine after a backlash within their party. The Progressive Caucus said its U-turn came because they did not want their views to become conflated with Republican calls to end Ukrainian aid. Uh, They basically just didn't want to stand with Republicans in a bipartisan fashion there. Heaven forbid we do that. Yeah, uh, two weeks within the election, yeah, no way is that going to happen. Well, Ukraine's deputy prime minister asked Ukrainians sheltering abroad not to return home until spring to ease the strain on the country's energy infrastructure. Ukraine's prime minister estimates the war has wiped out at least 35% of the country's economy and asked for a $17 billion relief package and $1.5 billion per month from the European Commission and another $1.5 billion from the United States. 
It's uh, <laughs> it's costly to run a war, obviously. Well, Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman of Saudi Arabia accused unnamed countries of using their emergency oil reserves to, quote, manipulate markets rather than helping with shortages of supply. The remarks come after the Biden administration authorized the release of another 15 million barrels of crude oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve as it tries to curb elevated gasoline prices. Yeah, unnamed countries. That uh, is directed... It's us. It's us. Yeah, it's it's yeah. directed at the United States, yeah. According to data from the Mortgage Bankers Association, the average contract interest rate for 30-year fixed-rate mortgages in the U.S. jumped by 22 basis points, Chip. Now it's 7.16% as of the weekend at October 21. Chip, that's the highest reading since 2001, 7.16%. Yeah. The housing data right now is terrible. Uh, the starts, the new home sales... Uh, everything it, and houses are obviously staying online longer uh, than uh, uh, or online are staying for sale longer than they have in I think since 2001 it, it's mm-hmm. it's a tough market right now well the US dollar index fell to its lowest level since September 20 overnight in a continuation of the recent pullback. The euro strengthened past parity with the dollar for the first time since September 19 on Wednesday, tracking a retreat for the greenback amid increasing bets the Fed will have to slow the pace of rate hikes to avoid over-tightening. Meanwhile, China's stock rally fizzled as the city of Wuhan locked down one of its central districts following the discovery of COVID cases. Photos posted on Chinese social media appeared to show barriers erected in the Hanyang district where some 900,000 residents were told to stay in their homes beginning today. Wow. General Motors says it will be able to meet all requirements in three years for buyers of its electric vehicles to receive the full $7,500 federal tax credit. Countries are failing to meet their climate commitments, according to a report released Wednesday ahead of COP27. That's the U.N.'s climate summit in Egypt coming up uh, later next month. And the U.S., Japan, and South Korea warned there would be an unparalleled scale of response should North Korea conduct a nuclear test. The three allies worried North Korea may now be preparing for another round of tests. Chip. All right. Thank you so much, Davis. Uh, Let's bring in Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop. Good morning, Margie. Good morning, Chip. Okay, so the polls are open for the new product of the year vote. Tell us about it. Yeah, this is an annual contest we do at The Scoop, really highlighting first the top 10 finalists of new products that have been introduced and made available in the past year that really make a big splash in the ag retail market. So this year's top 10, we've got three different spraying and application systems, a herbicide, a seed trait, nitrogen stabilizer, software, soil testing technology, fertilizer, and an adjuvant. So a wide range of products that are, again, are really making a big splash wow. in the very dynamic business that is ag retail. So this is 
a reader's choice contest. We encourage everybody to go to the dailyscoop.com, click on awards right in the top gray bar, and then you'll find the new product of the year contest from that menu. We are taking votes until January 1. The winner and the runner-up will be announced in a future issue of The Scoop. And I'm very excited to say, Chip, we just had the votes go live overnight. And I checked the results this morning and we already have a lot of traction of folks wanting to voice which one is their favorite. Oh, this is fantastic. You know, I'm looking at the list of top 10 right now and it's, it's so varied I, I'm from sprayers to new nutrient uh, lines. It, it's really interesting. Yes. And so I think that's really reflective of the products that retailers are bringing to their farmer customers yeah. to help instill that role of trusted advisor and key and pivotal to instilling themselves as a trusted advisor is bringing all of the latest and greatest tools to that farmer. All right. Triple W dot the daily scoop dot com right correct all right margie thank you so much we'll talk to you again next week thanks chip all right uh coming up next we've got to figure out what is going on with these energy markets and the guy to do that is jordan fife president of trading at bioergia group he's next here on agritalk my mom's got a new case i extractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. <laughs> Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us this morning. That loon huh? is Davis huh? Michelson. Yep, uh-huh. yep, yep. All right. Uh, Davis, let's get to what's going huh? on in these energy markets. Uh, we've got Jordan okay. Fife. Jordan is president of the BioUrgia Group. Uh, he's president of trading for the BioUrgia Group. Uh, Jordan, welcome back to AgriTalk. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm well. How are you? Good, 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 good. Okay. Jordan, everybody that I talk to right now is so focused on a lack of of diesel stocks, gasoline stocks, et cetera. Uh, what is the situation and where are the, the flags red? Where are the flags yellow? Where are the flags green on, on our supplies? Yeah, so unfortunately, we've got a lot of red flags on the field uh, right now. And the, the two that I'm paying the most attention to are distillate stocks or diesel stocks and crude stocks. 
A uh, couple facts. Uh, I always like to come with some facts and figures for you guys. Uh, dissolute stocks or diesel stocks are down 16.5% year on year. Uh, they're down 38% from two years ago. Now, two years ago had a little bit of noise in it because of COVID lockdowns and everything. Right. So if you take the five-year average, we're down 19% from pre-pandemic levels. Uh, that's pretty substantial. On the crude side, uh, as you guys alluded to earlier in the show, uh, on the news, we, we're selling more of the SPR. We're done on that. Uh, but we've sold 185 million barrels uh, of our SPR. Uh, we only have 405 million barrels of space. So we've sold approximately 45% of our space. Uh, and crude oil stocks are down 19.5% year on year, 22% uh, percent from pre-pandemic levels. So when you ask for where's the red flags on the field, that's them. Uh, yeah. And there's only there's there's ways out of it, but it's going to take some some ingenuity. Uh, you're going to have to have refiner, refinery utilization step up. Uh, we're down approximately 10% on refinery utilization from the highs in 2018. Uh, we will need to see, uh, the good news is diesel cracks are, are extremely profitable, which means that to turn a barrel of crude oil into a barrel of, of diesel uh, is the highest it's ever been, basically. Uh, and that means that they should be producing more of it. Unfortunately, a lot of it is getting exported, which is very unusual uh, uh, diesel exports are actually pretty normal. We're seeing diesel imported now from parts of Europe and things like that. We're seeing very unusual moves. Uh, we're seeing diesel being exported from the United States only to be recalled basically mid shipment and come back to the United States, back to pad what? one, back to the Northeast. Cause remember the Northeast uses a lot of heating oil, which is very yeah. similar to diesel. So those two barrels are going to have to compete as we go into winter. You're going into winter with lower stocks. There's your red flags. Wow. Well, Jordan, if you know, I'm I'm looking for the sunny side today. I'm just desperate <laughs> to find it. Uh, if if I'm looking at the uh, the heating oil futures contract, the ULSD um, mm -hmm. contract I, at Nove, we're sitting at 416. But you look out, you know, to the D's 367, Jan 353, all the way out to the March 23, we're clear down to 332. The futures market doesn't seem all that concerned with with any of this. What's the deal with the spreads there? Is that telling us anything at all? Well, unfortunately, uh, I think it says the opposite. When you have this mm. giant backwardation, that is the market screaming that I need the barrel prompt, right? right. It is taking to account uh -huh. like, hey, we think the refinery utilization could go up. We think the war in Ukraine could end. We think stocks could be replenished, but it is just screaming to give me the barrel in the front right now and to not hold barrels, unfortunately, into that backwardation. So when you see the front month higher than the next month, if for any reason I have leftovers, do you think I carry it into the next month? No, I sell it. Right. Everyone mm -hmm. should be fire sailing at the end of the month. That is going to feed upon itself. So every month you're just going to lower your stocks towards the end of the month. And until you get a real uh, end in sight, which again, that's a, a, an ending of the war, that's increased refinery utilization, things that take a little while, this could continue. And unfortunately, you're coming in at the worst time, like I said, at, into winter. Uh, once you get out of winter, that backwardation could alleviate itself. In my opinion, not trading advice, I think the backwardation, that bet that next month will roll up to the front month, meaning that we'll see those increased prices as the month becomes the front month. Yep, yep. Mm. Uh, the same thing happens in grains when we get into a short crop mm. situation. They come That's exactly after, right. yep, the, we call it bull spreads instead yep. of backwardization. Yep. And I can barely even say that. <laughs> Contango and backwardation in the oil and gas markets, inverse and bull spread. Yeah, they're in, in the ag. It's it's the same thing, uh, you know, yep. all the same thing for names. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So the SPR, I'm interested in what you think of the Biden plan to restock the SPR at around 70 bucks. Yeah, sure. So, you know, as mentioned, we've sold that 185. Yep. Uh, and the plan, you know, that Biden has come and said is to, to go ahead and refill it at 70. So how do we get to 70? You know, if we know that's the end goal, uh, what's going to get us there? And uh, once again, uh, ending the war is probably your easiest one. Uh, uh, when I say easy, uh, I mean, that's that's the quickest answer. Uh, the other is to increase production. And the good news there, if you want some good news, uh, is that the rig count, the horizontal rig count is above 700 for the first time since the pandemic. That's that's good news. We are increasing uh, uh, drilling. Slightly bad news is a lot of that is natural gas uh, wells, uh, and they're well above pre-pandemic, and crude oil is trending in the, the right direction uh, to bring more on. So that would help get us back down. Now, the real bad news is the, the other way you can get out of expensive oil is a recession. Uh, if yep. we have a recession, prices will fall. It's just a fact. Demand will decrease, uh, and we could hit that $70 uh, per barrel target that the Biden administration has. I think it should give some uh, reassurance to crude oil producing companies that the United States government is backing it. Uh, we've kind of lacked that in recent years yes. where we've moved so much to the green side. We need some policy to say, hey, guys, if things do dip due to a recession, well, we're going to buy it. Uh, so you should continue to produce, uh, which is a good message. Um, will it get there? Uh, it's hard to say, but but well, we are playing a game of chicken to see what runs out first. You know, Do we run out of our stocks or do we get to $70? If we don't get there by the time we get to a lower level, will they readjust their price? I think they'll have to. Okay. Perhaps an unfair question to you, Jordan, but do you foresee, should the GOP retake the House and the Senate? Do we necessarily see some of that, that green policy pullback in favor of pumping some more oil? Are we going to get a drill, baby, drill if, if, uh, we go, if we go to the Republican side? Well, we could, uh, you know, domestically. Uh, I think you will definitely get some more uh, backing on that and a pullback on the green. However, other side of that yeah. is OPEC. And no matter who was in the White House, no matter oh, who was in yeah. the Senate, and the we have OPEC. And OPEC has changed their tune quite a bit. Uh, they understand that that they can cut and, and affect the prices. Uh, obviously, it's WTI versus Brent. West Texas Intermediate would be, you know, here at home. And, and Brent is in the North Sea of Scotland. Uh, and it gets affected a lot more by that geopolitical stuff. They both are heavily influenced, to be clear, by geopolitical events. But I think the uh, OPEC will be able to sustain, you know, above fifty, you know, dollar uh, crude for some time in okay. the foreseeable future. Mm. Okay, that's what they do. It, yeah. and, and after the election, if if things go as are being forecast right now, and Republicans gain control of at least the House, potentially the Senate, what about some support for refining expansion? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, you know, we're getting a lot. It, these plans take you know decades to really yeah. to see themselves through. And we've had a big push to a lot of green things that will produce a lot of diesel. It's renewable diesel is what I'm speaking about right now. Right. I don't think you're going to see a ton of people just say, you know what, we're scrapping our renewable diesel plans and we're going to go back to just, you know, uh, the refining that we were doing previously crude into, uh, into okay. diesel and gasoline. However, once all this comes online for renewable diesel, that's a double win for, for AGs. And I've been saying that for years since yeah. you guys first had me on here. It's like, guys, this is a big thing coming. Pay attention yep. to this. And and uh, look, I wasn't smart enough. Somebody smarter than me told me to say that. So I just repeated <laughs> what they said. But, but uh, uh, jokes aside, there is going to be a big push uh, into this renewable diesel space. Once all of that comes online, it will effectively expand the refinery utilization we have now. And okay. it will be using a, a soy or corn oil yeah. uh, base 
for its feedstock, which is a double win. Uh, you know, it's going to help decrease the prices because we'll increase our utilization and it will help increase uh, soy crushing and, and corn oil uh, extraction. Okay, very cool. Did I see a report on Bloomberg that Chinese gasoline is being imported to the West Coast of the U.S.? That is unfortunately correct. <laughs> so that is that did happen. Yes, uh, it, it's a very unusual move. It happens like every so often, and and we're in one of those times right now. Uh, West Coast gasoline, just so everybody knows, is completely different than the rest of the United States. It's called carbob. Uh, it, it, it's it's a very tricky gasoline. You know, California might as well be another country when it comes to how yeah. they price their gasoline. The the different things that they're allowed to put in it or not allowed to put in it for for pollution's sake. Um, so there are some wacky things that happen on the West Coast, and those ARBs are not always indicative of what's happening in the rest of the country, is I guess my point there. But it did happen. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, we've only got about 30 seconds left. Just give me your your 30-second outlook for what energy prices are doing into the end of the year. Well, I'll focus a little bit on Europe in those 30 seconds. Uh, Europe was looking pretty doom and gloom uh, on their natural gas storage, but uh, they've surpassed their goals of hitting 80% storage coming into November 1st. Actually, they're about 90%. Germany, the most affected by the Nordstrom pipelines at 93. The reason I say all that is because we've talked about how diesel prices are expensive. We've talked about how... uh, uh, Oil prices are expensive. Nat gas is down $4.5 since August. I think that's a win. Absolutely. Jordan, it's always great to get you on here, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. You bet. Jordan Fife, president of trading at the BioUrger Group. We've got Farmer Forum next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, uh, when I take a look at that soy complex, it looks like beans are trying to follow soybean oil today. A bit of a change. Yeah, absolutely, Chip. Uh, soybean oil is being supported by a strong move up in crude oil. So, uh, you know, that's uh, having a, a big influence there. And then the uh, strength in soy oil, like you mentioned, is uh, supporting soybeans, double-digit gains there. Uh, the outlier is soy meal, uh, which is under, uh, I'd call it solid pressure here at mid-morning and, and uh, quite a bit of spreading action going on in the meal and, and oil markets. So those uh, products, uh, soy products. Um, corn, you know, it's kind of caught in the middle. Uh, just yeah. hanging around unchanged at the moment and, and not a whole lot going on. 
uh, wheat market had losses earlier on uh, through overnight trade, but uh, um, you know the the heavy weakness in the dollar. It's now more than 1,100 points. That's starting to give a little bit of support to to the wheat market, though. Uh, the export pace is just dismal, and uh, so we're we're going to need more than just dollar weakness. We're going to actually need to see some some export demand uh, surface here. Yeah, dollar index under 110 this morning, so there is quite hefty pressure on there. Take us over to the livestock trade. Hogs are off and running again. Absolutely. Uh, so moderate to strong gains in, in most of the uh, front end of the market and, and uh, just continues to push higher here. Uh, the cash index is also higher today. Um, it's eight out of the last nine, uh, nine days that it's uh, strengthened. It will be lower tomorrow based on the early projections. Uh, but uh, for now, uh, you know, the futures continue to chase the uh, chase it to the upside. And then the uh, cattle market, mostly firmer here. Uh, still waiting on cash trade to develop, but uh, uh, mostly firmer tone and full expectations that we'll see higher prices this week. Excellent, Brian. Thank you. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Hey. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Timberlake in the morning now. AgriTalk for the ladies now. All right, Davis, good work, Fires buddy. Me up. Thank you so much. Yep. All right, it's Wednesday. That means that it is time for this week's Farmer Forum. And joining us right now, we've got Ken McCauley from Northeast Kansas. Ken, welcome back to the show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Chip. It's good to be on. It's a beautiful day here. And we actually had a little rain over the, really, yeah. Sunday night, I guess. But uh, the ground has settled to dust, and the ground's still sticky on top. So yeah, it uh, helped quite a bit. Yeah, it, it had been a while since you had had a rain, wasn't it? Oh, it was terrible. It uh, the ground was so hard you could just you know feel it in the feel it in anything. But uh, yeah, it it did soften it up. It's still subsoil is just terrible dry. We haven't had it rain for for the whole almost the whole harvest. Right, right. Yeah, uh, up here in northeast Iowa, where Tim Recker is. Welcome, Tim. Good morning, Chip. How are we doing today? Doing real fine, real fine. You know, up until Monday, we had had three-tenths of an inch in October, and then on Monday, we got like nine-tenths, uh, maybe just over an inch in some areas. Boy, that rain felt good, didn't it? It was a much-needed rain delay in our game. Um, many things to service and fix. We just got done with a, another dryer that needed some work. We needed the rain delay, and psychologically and for our corn crop and to keep combines from burning and field fires from going. Absolutely. Uh, there, there been a couple that I'm aware of in Iowa that, uh, took a lot of effort from neighbors to make sure that, that, uh, it didn't continue to spread. So there's keep a, keep watch on that for sure. What are you learning, Tim? What are you learning from this year's harvest? You know, it's always an interesting harvest. We go into it with really high hopes because Northeast Iowa has had, you know, it's, we've had rain. We had one week that I did not mow grass and that's, that's yeah. my barometer. If you don't mow grass one week, well, you know, then 
were starting to get dry. And there was only one week that we didn't. So we had high hopes for this crop. And it's proven us right. Uh, yields are probably as good as what we've ever had field averages. But we've also had a few disappointments in areas. And I'm hearing disappointments in areas where, where tar spot maybe came in. Um, guys weren't recognizing it, did not um, spray or treat for it. So they're, you know, they're off 20 to 30 bushels per acre on those. But overall, really pleased with yields. Um, you know, and dry weather always makes things, it makes harvest so much easier. And, you know, when you can, when you can harvest uh, several weeks in a row without stopping, yeah. you know, that, that's a good feeling. We're ahead, we're like eight days ahead of harvest schedule. Um, yeah. You know, most of the beans are harvested in this area. Corn, I'm, I'm on my last uh third of corn to do so i'm feeling good wow very cool very cool all right ken what about you what are you learning from the harvest well it's it's a lot like tim said but uh we started out i think we really started seeing stress on our yards in uh, august and we got pretty dry and it's hard hard to imagine a white cloud not getting the rain but but we didn't and you can tell in the at the harvest We're, we finished Saturday, and you can tell in those fields that got that extra inch of rain, and they had that's where the best yields were. But compared to twenty one, our our yields were down on corn and soybeans. It's, everybody will talk about beans being down 10, 10 bushel an acre, and I think the corn was down ten to twenty. But we had Iowa yields in twenty one. And, yeah. you know, this year we're, you know, the top yields around 260 on big fields and, you know, went down from there, but, you know, still 200 bushel of corn is no, no problem. It's just, you know, yeah. I'd say our average is probably going to end up 220 and beans in the 65 to 70. So that's still really good compared to, you know, 50 mile West and South of us is just bare, bare ground yeah. is, is just changed really quick. So yeah. learning from things that, you know, the the hybrid selection is a, is a big deal. Uh, the, some of those hybrids just really held through that that dry and heat, and I I think uh, guys need to be really watching that stuff really close. And you know yeah. it, it just depends on what where it fit and and what it where it rained. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Tim, I remember we the conversation that we had. Oh, it, it might have been about this time a year ago that you were delaying the planting of your cover crops uh, a bit. How did that all turn out for you? What What did you learn from doing that? Yeah, we delayed. The reason we delayed last year was yeah. we were sure if we're going to get enough Roundup in order to to terminate three foot ties. Right, and so we intentionally planted late, so. Consequently, this year, this spring, instead of planting in three-foot-tall rye green, we were planting into six-inch to one-foot rye. So we did not get the the amount of biomass that we were hoping to get on our on our bean fields, which helps in suppression of weeds. So we had maybe a little more weed pressure than I'd like to see. Um, so that, but this year we, we've totally changed our our thinking we're we're trying we've got um several of the seed corn fields are already planted uh, many of the neighbors that planted even earlier they're already up and green looking great um they had enough moisture to to uh, germinate and i never worry about cereal rye germinating 
it grows. It just seems like yeah. that stuff grows. And so we, we put it, we put it in, we're hoping still for, uh, that we're going to be green. Um, we'll get a few more warm days and this last inch of rain is really going to help uh, all the things that they planted so far. And we're going to be in really good shape, um, going into spring with cover crops. Okay. And, and we got to really put mentality on because, you know, we, this is the driest, some of the driest falls, the last couple that I've ever seen. I remember them in 1980 and 1986 yep. or seven. I remember them in 2012. So we kind of get this feeling that, you know what, next year we yep. really got to be guarding against, you know, uh, really a lot less rainfall. And, yeah. and that's what we're talking about. Not less tillage, cover crops, and not disturbing that moisture that's already there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Ken, I hear that there is some cover crop activity on uh, on your farm this year. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. I heard that conversation when Tim was talking about not wanting to get it too big, and I did not relate to that. But this is our first big year. Uh, with young guy from here is is bought a drill, and we hired him, and he's got quite a bit of business. But uh, our we've got 500 acres that's up, and this rain just really made it pop. It's it you can see the green from the distance, and you know I think experience is your best teacher on this stuff. I can. I've listened to Tim a long time and you know, you kind of got to take Tim with a couple of pounds of salt. You never know <laughs> what he's, what has really happened. <laughs> so, you know, Darla sprinkled a little sugar on him and that helped him. But, uh, <laughs> That's I, right. I relate this cover crop deal to the eighties and, and it may not be as big a deal as no till, but it could be. And I think that, you know, getting your feet wet, figuring it out is, is a big deal. If it doesn't work, you'll at least know why it doesn't. Yeah. And it, it, I think there's going to be some new things come as, as everybody gets into it more. And, you know, it could be just, a the new, the new, uh, no till we're sure not in a crisis yet, but we did the no till just to save time and money and everything else. And look what happened to it. Right. So that's my thinking on it. Brad has really, really helped by accepting some of my ideas. And I think, I think we're both learning on this deal. So it's kind of exciting cool. for me to be stepping down and this coming on. Very cool. Very cool. Hey, uh, Ken, in your notes earlier, you, you made the comment about how the markets are holding up very well during harvest. Um, your basis market over there, it's got to be driven by the feed yards and and that, like you said, as you get just west of you, boy, the crops really fell off. What's your market like right now? Well, we're plus 50 on corn, and I'd, I think you'd probably get more if you really wanted to do it. it the, the feed yards are a big part of it, but I don't think anybody realized how big a draw the Atchison or this area pulls from because of Nebraska's short, west of here's short, south of here's short. And they're, I mean, when you look at basis like that and, and there's no bean lines either, I don't think yeah. St. Joe filled up. So you think about all those things and it looks, I mean, it may not last through July, but there's going to be a time here that they're just going to keep bidding and maybe even get a little, little tighter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tim, are you feeling any of the effect of the low water levels on the Mississippi in your markets? Well, first I got to say to Ken, I'm so jealous of his basis <laughs> because we're sitting here with negative 15 on corn, negative 75 on beans, and and you know that's great. 
you can have those kind of bases. But being this close to the river, I know that it's affecting especially soybeans um, and corn. We had very favorable bases all summer long, and, and they just continued to decline. And so we're sitting in a in a lot of corn area, and that's why the basis is probably less. And um, they're getting all the corn they need. So, I mean, the market is working. It's working like it's intended to. Uh, but great great that Ken gets those kind of prices. Hopefully he sells a lot. <laughs> he's he's living really good over there, isn't he, Tim? I mean, <laughs> they do. They always do. <laughs> I love it. Love it. All right. So, yes, real quick, Ken. Go ahead. Oh, nope. I just... Just doing our best to try to keep the market in the right place, Tim. You know, you talk about record yields and best ever. You know, that's part of it. You got you guys, you do yep. too good a job. Yep. Like Tim said, that's the market's working. Okay. We are less than two weeks away from the November 8 election. I can't have Tim and Ken on here without asking what their thoughts are going into the midterms. We'll do that next right here on AgriTalk. My mom's got a new case I extractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case I extractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us this morning. We've got the Farmer Forum going. Ken McCauley from Kansas. Tim Recker from Iowa. Tim, I just noticed you got a busy day on the radio, don't you? I do. We're going to talk nitrogen on the big show. Uh, I did nitrogen trials this year um, to just help out and get a handle of what the right nitrogen trial should be on my soil type in Iowa. And it's, it's an interesting, we're starting them up again. And to me, I learned a lot. I found out zero nitrogen still got me 150 bushels and 2X nitrogen did not get me 2X the yield. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting. Those trials are so important across the country, aren't they, Ken? Trying to dial in on what is the optimum level of nitrogen. Well, it really is, Chip, and appreciate Tim and guys like that doing that. But, uh, you know, it's really important this year with the cost of things and maybe down the road forever. uh, You don't know what this stuff's going to, if it's going to go down. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Okay. Ken, I'm going to start with you. What are your thoughts now that we're two weeks, within two weeks of the uh, November 8 elections? Well, 
we watch Kansas City TV and and both sides are bombarding us and that's about like three races but it, it gets you the idea of how serious uh, both sides think this is it, you know our governor race is basically a toss-up right now and it shouldn't be but that's the case uh, the the other races it it's I think that they're all a toss-up but I really think when people go to the election booth they're going to vote the right way and they're going to think you know why are we having to deal with these things so yeah. i'm thinking that that we're going to have a, a a red wave and it's going to show up not because of people's comments but because of what they do in the election box and they're not going to talk about it afterwards but we're going to yeah. see it all come out after the election that's interesting we've got a heck of a race going on up here in northeast iowa for the house seat don't we tim that's right. And, you know, what I, my opinion is we were energy independent, you know, just two and a half, three years, short years ago. And everything in our industry is based on energy, whether it's diesel fuel, whether it's nitrogen, whether it's yep. P and K, yep. all those are much higher. We have food inflation. When you look at the social issues, um, all that comes together. I think people will keep that reminded um, or at least in their memory when they're going mm-hmm. to vote. Um, we, we, we are able to produce corn and soybeans and actually make a renewable fuel out of it. And mm-hmm. we have great examples that we have a blender pump in the town that just put up. It's, it's 30 cents cheaper than, than E10. That's the kind of positive things that, that we need to continue to communicate that corn and soybeans and the renewable diesel and soybeans we have the ability to to take care of this food or the fuel crisis with our yeah. own fuel. That that is so important, and I think we're missing it out. We've talked that 20 years ago. We need to revisit it again. We're going to have an excess crop again this year. We always have you know, we have a billion and a half bushels of extra yeah. corn. I forget to carry on in beans, but that's after everything has been taken care of. We have excesses. That's after we the feed the fuel the yep. food and we still have access to we got to use that yeah yeah that's a good point and and uh ken what tim is talking about here the administration's energy policies they've they're trying their comments now are trying to run away from what they have said in the past and but i think you're you're on to something there about they're going to realize what it costs them to drive to the poll, and when they get in that voting booth, that's going to be number one on their mind, isn't it? Oh, I think so. And and you know, you can't just look at the price at the pump. It, even though as it's ex- extreme as it is, you've mm-hmm. got to look at what did I spend extra for the year? Even a person driving their car, I mean, yeah. ten cents a gallon or a dollar a gallon adds up to be a great big number. Diesel for a farmer or diesel for a trucker or a company that owns a bunch of trucks that doesn't go unnoticed all this data that comes into businesses they know and the people that work there know so if if everyone looked at that i guarantee you they would they would know who did what to who but you know president biden campaigned on the fact and shut the oil down to (laughs) these levels to make this happen and people yep. have to realize that. Yeah. Told us what he was going to do, didn't he? 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, all he we campaigned had to do, on it. Yep, he campaigned Ken, on it. All we had to do was listen and believe it. And Ken and I worked. <laughs> Ken and I worked really hard for the previous ten, fifteen years to get energy independence. We thought that was so yep. important. And it was directly related to agriculture with corn and soybeans. And we were so proud. I was so proud that when 2019, when we were energy independent, that we no longer rely on countries that hate us to get our, our fuel from our energy. And, mm-hmm. and in a couple of short years, that that's gone away. So that, that should be sticking in people's minds that we were energy independent and now we are not. And why? Yeah. And ask the questions why. Yep, that's excellent point. You know, looking at the AAA gas prices, uh, fuel prices, I should say, regular unleaded today three seventy six. Uh, a year ago was three thirty nine. Now, that's an eleven point one percent increase, and I think people will look at that and say, okay, it, you know, but it's not as bad as what it was this summer. But this diesel, the current prices yeah. is five thirty two. A year ago. It was 361. Diesel is up 47%. And in every bag of flour, in every, you know, it, any, everything that consumers take in relies on that diesel. And if you're looking for one reason in particular, because Tim was talking about it, we are, we are feeding, we've got plenty of grain for the food, we've got plenty of grain for the fuel it's the cost of moving the product around is such a big driver of the inflation we could talk about this forever guys tim thank you so much for making time buddy appreciate you ken same to you man thanks well thanks Thanks. jeff they really enjoyed it good to be on excellent thank you guys all right thank you for listening this morning Got to come back this afternoon. Conversation with Carl Setzer from AgriVisor right here on AgriTalk.